listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. We're going to go into scripture and go into God's word. Again, we are a church that believes in development and raising up leaders and sending them out. Like that's what we're all about. That's why you'll see a lot of uh, faces up here being able to teach and share the gospel with you and with our community because we really believe in the ministry of Jesus, which is build disciples and send them just like he did. And so that's what we do here at Story City. So I want to read our scripture today. It's the last uh it's the last sermon of the series that we've been in, and next week we start our Advent series, so super excited about, about that. So we're in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, uh, and when I finish reading, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and I want to invite you to respond saying, thanks be to God. Galatians 6, 1 through 10 says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will, uh, will have to carry his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all his, good, all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great week of celebrating with friends and family or just relaxing by yourself. Uh, it really is a good week to remind us that we really do have so many reasons to be thankful for all that God has given us. I'm particularly thankful for you guys as a church community. This family has really been a blessing to my wife, Tracy, and I, whether it's here on Sundays, whether it's in our missional group, or the opportunities to serve the surrounding communities that we call home. So we really are thankful for all of you. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Josh. I'm one of the elders here. And today we have the privilege of wrapping up our fall series, Equipped for Depth and Restoration in Christ. So this is it. Here we go. We have spent three months studying various practices that God uses to equip us for maturity in our lives. If you haven't been here, we're going to revisit some of these principles uh, today as we go. These are all ways that God equips us for greater depth in our, re our relationship with Jesus and greater restoration through Christ. Here are just a few of the things that we've studied this fall. We're going to hear this list several times today. In September, we talked about spiritual disciplines like prayer, reflecting on scripture, Sabbath rest. These are all ways that God equips us individually to grow in our faith. In October, we talked about spiritual gifts like faith, administration, 
stewardship, hospitality, mercy, evangelism. These are all ways that God equips us to help others. Spiritual gifts are designed to serve the church. This month, we've been talking about stewardship. How do we properly utilize various aspects of our lives for God's glory? Particularly our time, our possessions, our priorities, and our wealth, whether that's financial or material wealth. So today, as we wrap up this series, we want to ask, now what? I want to show you something. Look at this picture. It's a big squiggly line. Does anyone know what that is? Someone will know this immediately. Any guesses? That's right. Stock market. Exactly. Okay, you guys both, you get an extra cookie. Congratulations. This is from a a website. It's actually a graph uh, from a website called macrotrends.net. So that squiggly line is the historical returns of the stock market, the U.S. stock market, all the way from about 1915 on the far left, all the way over to today on the right. There are a couple dips there that you might recognize. Um, There are a few areas that we've marked here. That big one over on the left is the stock market crash of 1929, set off the Great Depression. In the middle, there was skyrocketing inflation and unemployment in the early 80s. And then that last one, my personal favorite, housing bubble burst. We all remember that one, late 2008, early 2009. We're most familiar with that one. What's the other thing that you notice here? Yeah, overall, it's going upward. Yes, there have been dips, but the overall trend is undeniably upward. In fact, compared to when you take a step back and look at the entire timeline, all those recessions are pretty marginal. So today, we have been studying spiritual discipline, spiritual gifts, stewardship for three months. So we're good, right? We've learned everything that we need to. Does anyone feel like you have mastered prayer? Does anyone feel like you are fully utilizing your spiritual gift? What about stewardship? Has anyone mastered the skill of managing your time? No, of course not. Even though we've studied all of these for three months, that doesn't mean that we've mastered any of them. But it's easy to look at the entire fall and be so overwhelmed by all this information that we end up not doing anything. And that would be wasting an opportunity for incredible growth. So the challenge for all of us as we conclude this series is to intentionally pursue one or two of these. Don't try to learn all of them. But focus on one or two. When we say equipped for depth and restoration, that word equipped is very active. It's a very practical term. We're going to try to be really practical today. We don't want to strive for merely book knowledge. Knowledge is crucial. The word of God is essential. But what we learn should change the way we live. So we want to try to put this into practice today. Last week, Jonathan taught us about a shift that needs to happen in our view of wealth. And today, we need another shift in our perspective. We need to shift our view of spiritual growth to a long-term perspective. So today, we're going to talk about practical ways that we can start taking steps towards growing in some of these practices that we've studied. But we're not going to master these overnight or in a week or even after studying them for three months. So if we want to be practically equipped to grow in these areas, what do we do? Well, just like the stock market takes a lot of time and a long-term perspective to see financial returns. To have spiritual growth in these practices, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of patience. 
and it's gonna take a long-term perspective. That's what we're gonna see today. So let me pray for us, and then we're gonna jump right into Galatians 6. Dear Lord, we really do have so many reasons to be thankful. Father, we thank you that we have the freedom and the opportunity to come here and worship you. Lord, we thank you that the good work that you have begun in all of us, that you will bring that to completion. Father, we pray that today that you would speak through your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to hear from your word. We thank you that you are doing an amazing work in us, making us more like Jesus. And Father, in your creativity, you do that work in each of us in different ways and at different times, and we thank you for that. We lift up all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, similar to the stock market in Galatians 6, Paul gives us another metaphor of a long-term perspective, that of a harvest of growing crops. Look again at verse 7, and we'll jump into this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Paul compares the way that we live our lives to sowing seed for an eventual harvest. Your translation might actually include the word harvest in this passage. So there's a long-term perspective here. First, where he says, the one who sows to please the Spirit will reap eternal life. In other words, they will reap a harvest that will last forever. What you do today has long-term consequences. We also see this when it says, for we will reap at the proper time. There's a longevity to this process. So the harvest that we'll yield with our lives is dependent on what we do today. What we're going to see as we wrap up this series is that God's harvest is worth the work and it's worth the wait So God's harvest in our lives, it's worth the work and it's worth the wait. God is committed to our lives for the long haul. So to respond properly to that, we need two things. We need unwavering determination and we need unending grace. Both of these things have a long-term perspective. They're both attitudes that we can choose to have and to embrace in our lives. So first off, we need unwavering, spirit-infused determination. Now, let's be clear. We don't do anything to earn our salvation. We all know this. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. We don't pay for it. But now, as we have been saved, after we've been saved, as apprentices of Jesus, there's an expectation that we'll keep going, that we'll keep growing When we started this series, Samir taught us that all of these practices are ways that we pursue God. He's pursued us, and now we get to pursue him. See, God doesn't want to just save you and then leave you to wander throughout your life just so he can take you to heaven when you die. No, God wants so much more for you than that. So Paul is not talking about salvation in this passage, but rather spiritual growth that can and should happen in this life because we already have been saved. God desires to continue to grow and refine us. Look at verse 1 here. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit. Watch out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. 
Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work, and then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Three times in this passage, Paul says that we need to tenaciously keep an eye on our own actions. In verse one, he says, watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. So restore others, but also keep an eye on yourself so that you won't fall into temptation. In verse four, he says, each of you examine your own actions. In verse 5, he says, each of you carry your own load. So in this passage, there's this element of personal evaluation. There's an emphasis on personal responsibility. But he distinguishes between two different types of responsibility. He says, bear one another's burdens, but also each one should carry your own load. What, What is going on there? In, In the original language, there's two different words there that are referring to two different concepts. That word for burden refers to an overwhelming weight or ordeal that that one person would not be able to carry on their own. But when it says that we should carry our own load, that word was used to refer to a soldier's backpack, something that they each could carry and that they were each responsible for their own. So today, when we are faced with overwhelming burdens that one person shouldn't be expected to handle, sometimes it's really hard for us to accept help from others. We need to be willing to accept help when we need it and to give help when others are in those situations. Sometimes we can have the opposite extreme where we aren't carrying our own load and we are expecting others to do everything for us. We're neglecting responsibilities that we are perfectly capable of handling. We can each carry our own backpack. So we need to be willing to accept and give help in overwhelming situations where we need it, but also we need to be willing to carry our own backpack, realize that there are responsibilities that we can handle. Why does he say to watch yourselves or you may be tempted? It's because we all have this thing called the sinful nature. We all still struggle with the flesh. Jesus has forgiven us for our sins, but that doesn't mean that we've suddenly stopped sinning. We all still struggle with the sinful desires of our heart. It's this ongoing battle. Thankfully, Jesus has died to pay for all of those sins, past, present, and future. So those new sins have already been forgiven, but we will never mature in this life to the point where we no longer sin. That's why spiritual practices, like all of these things that we've been studying this fall, are never neutral. Our own spiritual growth is never neutral. We're either progressing or we're regressing. This is the same with any habit or routine that we have in our lives. If you're a frequent exerciser, you know that if you skip a workout, you aren't just gonna pick up where you left off next week. If you skip leg day, obviously your legs are not gonna be stronger next week, but it's also not like they just stay the same to where next week will be the same as if you'd worked out today. No, your muscles are actually gonna grow weaker. So as hard as it is today, if you skip, next week is gonna be even harder. This applies even to bad habits that we try to break in our lives. They're never neutral. See, God has given us The human body is absolutely incredible. God has given us an amazing body. 
He's given our brains the amazing ability to automate processes. Our brains are always trying to automate things to make them easier for ourselves. This is why you can learn how to ride a bike or drive a car or brush your teeth. And once you learn it, you don't even think about the steps anymore. Your brain has automated that process and made it a habit. This is an amazing, beautiful, God-given ability. But our sinful nature can exploit that God-given ability because habits, whether they're good or bad, the more we practice them, the stronger they get. And so we can fall into bad habits. The automation also happens there. So when we neglect working on a bad habit that we're struggling with, realize that it's not just gonna be the same tomorrow. By not working on it today, we're actually reinforcing that bad habit one day more. It's getting one day stronger. As hard as it is today, it's gonna to be even harder tomorrow. So we can draw two conclusions from this. First off, don't skip leg day. Secondly, it's getting deep, guys. Secondly, realize this is a long-term process, but it's worth it. Just like developing a new healthy habit, that's the same way to work on these spiritual gifts, these spiritual processes. As we equip ourselves in spiritual discipline, spiritual gifts, in stewardship, the harvest of greater depth and restoration in our lives is worth the work and it's worth the wait. When we studied reflecting on scripture earlier this fall, Stephen reminded us that meditating on God's word is not a passive practice. In the same way, growth in any of these practices that we've studied is not passive. The Holy Spirit does the work in us and we partner with the Holy Spirit. We choose to respond to his leading. So as we work on these practices, we stay determined. When it gets hard, we keep going. We don't give up. God has committed to our lives for the long haul. He commits to growth for the long haul. And so should we. See, this is why people who invest in the stock market, when it dips down, they don't take out their money because then they're gonna miss on the growth that comes from the rallies. This is why farmers, when the crops are long in coming, they don't stop watering. They don't stop tilling the soil or fertilizing. No, they continue to put in the hard work and they continue to be patient because they know that an abundant harvest is coming. We are pursuing a harvest. We are playing the long game of spiritual growth. So Paul says to us, don't grow tired. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. We need unwavering, spirit-infused determination. Paul says in verse 9, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. But family, we can't only have determination. We can't only have discipline. Why? Because of that sinful nature. As hard as we try, we're still going to mess up. This is why we need unending God-given grace. God has already given us unlimited grace. It's unmerited favor. We didn't deserve one iota of grace, and yet God has lavished grace upon grace to us. We need to give ourselves grace. When we're faced with setbacks, we need to stay determined. We need to give ourselves grace but keep going. We need to realize that failing does not make us a failure. 
We are very prone to beat ourselves up when we make mistakes in a, in a culture that is all about accomplishment. It is very hard to receive grace from God, and it is hard to give grace to ourselves. Paul reminds us in verse 1, not only do we need grace for ourselves, we need grace for others. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person. Bring them back, keep them accountable, but build them back up into the church and do so with a gentle spirit. So in dealing with our own sins and failings or with someone else's, we work towards restoration and we do that with a gentle spirit. We do it with grace. So whether we are dealing with failing in a past sinful habit or whether we are feeling inadequate as we pursue one of these practices, meditation and scripture, prayer. Setbacks are gonna happen. Our flesh is gonna pull us down. It's not an if, but a when. We will still struggle with sin. We all know that from our life experience. We don't even need the Bible to tell us that. We know that's an ongoing struggle in our life. We will never be perfect, but God's desire and the Holy Spirit's work in us is a long-term path of growth. Chris reminded us earlier this fall in one of his sermons that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us and leads us in our own spiritual growth. Our job is to respond to his leading. We work with the Holy Spirit to put to death the sins in our life and to gradually develop new godly habits. When we fail, we don't give up. We don't beat ourselves up over what's already in the past. No, we pick ourselves up, we give ourselves grace, And we keep going. We don't let those small setbacks determine our trajectory. No, those are just dips in the stock market. We're all going to have those. But the overall path is upward. We're never going to be perfect, but we're getting better. We're growing. Verse 9 again, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. There's a long-term perspective here. God's harvest in our lives is worth the work and it's worth the wait. To pursue that, we need unwavering determination and unending grace. How can both of those coexist? How can we do that at the same time? Paul gives us a great explanation over in the book of Ephesians. Look at chapter 4, verse 15. As we are pursuing Christ's likeness, becoming more and more like Jesus, he says that speaking the truth in love... Let us grow in every way into him who is the head. That's Christ. As we are pursuing the one who is the head of our lives, Jesus, trying to become more and more like him, we need to have truth and love. This is discipline and grace. This is truth and love. Not only can those coexist, they must coexist. See, if we're only exhibiting one or the other, we're in very dangerous territory. When we have all truth and no love, that's legalism. That is harsh, it is destructive, and if that's our response, honestly, we're just being a jerk in that situation, either to ourselves or to others. When we have all truth and no love with ourselves, we're gonna beat ourselves up over every tiny mistake. This is something I struggle with. I am very prone to be very hard on myself when I make little mistakes. If we have all truth and no love with ourselves, we're gonna get discouraged, we're gonna give up, we're just gonna stop trying. 
When we have all truth and no love with other people, they are going to feel burdened by an impossible standard that they are never going to live up to. This is how believers have driven people away, not only from a local church, but from the faith in general. Truth is essential. We have to have the truth of the Bible, but we cannot have all truth and no love. But the opposite is equally dangerous. When we have all love and no truth, we shy away. We step back from calling things out for fear of hurting someone's feelings, for fear of causing conflict. But all love and no truth is not really love because love says hard things when hard things need to be said. Think about the example of parents who don't let their children do things that they want. Think about the cliche of a kid who's curious, he's exploring, he wants to touch something like a hot stove. A parent who doesn't intervene in that is not being very loving. Nobody looks at that situation and says, oh, come on, why can't the kid do what he wants? Let him live a little. No, a parent who didn't intervene with some sort of correction in that moment would not be loving at all. If If you are heading towards, if you are about to get hit by a bus, literally or metaphorically, and I see it coming, and I don't do anything about it, that is not very loving at all. It might be awkward, it might be hard for me, but I need to love you enough to be willing to say, you need to get out of the way, right now. And that's the loving thing to do in that situation. All love and no truth allows people to go down dark and dangerous paths because no one who knew better was willing to speak up. We have to have both of these truths in our lives. Truth, determination, discipline, grace, mercy, love. We need both. Paul says in verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. What is good there? It may be speaking a hard truth in someone's life that's really uncomfortable for you. It may be giving them grace when they let you down, just like we've needed grace when we let others down. And we need to respond to grace when we let ourselves down. Why? Because God has already given us infinite grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is truth and love. This is discipline and grace. This is depth and restoration. All fall, we've been striving to equip ourselves for these types of situations. So as we close today, I want to give us two points of application. I'm going to try to be really, really practical here so that we can move all of this from knowledge in our heads to actions in our lives. Remember, we want to put this into practice. Let me read the end of our passage again today. I'm going to read it in a different translation. It's not going to be on the screen. Just listen to these words. People reap what they sow. Those who sow to please their sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. Those who sow to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What is the harvest that you are working towards in your life? 
What are the seeds that you're planting today going to produce? Are you sowing to please the sinful nature or are you sowing to please the spirit? From everything that we've studied this fall, what is one area that you want to grow in? Or maybe an area that you don't want to grow in, but you know that you need to. Listen to these again. Which one of these stands out to you? In spiritual disciplines, we talked about prayer, reflecting on scripture, meditating on God's word, and Sabbath rest. We talked about spiritual gifts like faith, administration, mercy, service, hospitality, evangelism. Then we talked about stewarding our time, our resources, our priorities, our financial wealth. What is one area where you need to grow? Don't try to do all of these at once. Just pick one or two of them. With that practice in mind or written down, circled, here are two steps towards getting there. First off, we need to realign our motivations to God's will. In part of our discussion on stewardship earlier this month, Samir reminded us that where our time and our money go reflects our priorities. It shows what's really important to us because our actions follow our heart. So yes, today we're talking about becoming more disciplined in certain areas of the Christian life. We're talking about developing new, healthy, godly habits, but we're not talking only about behavior modification because if we are focused only on changing the actions without changing the motivations of our heart, that's like treating the symptom without treating the disease. It's only gonna come back again. So these practices that we've studied are not the end goal in themselves. We need to ask ourselves, what's the posture of our heart? What am I ultimately hoping to achieve in pursuing this? These practices are not the end goal. They are merely ways that God can equip us for greater depth and greater restoration. So as Paul says in our passage, watch yourself, examine your actions, examine your heart. If we change our heart, realigning with God's will, then our actions are going to follow more naturally and more easily. So first off, we need to realign our motivations. We need to realign our heart. Secondly, though, and very, very practically, set realistic, attainable goals. As we approach the end of the year, many of us are going to make New Year's resolutions. Let's be honest. Most of the time, our resolutions are not realistic. We try to set a, a new resolution for ourselves. This is why I prefer the term goals rather than resolutions. See, resolution sounds like something we're going to suddenly achieve. We're going to immediately implement perfectly. But remember what we said about habits. Oftentimes, we've been reinforcing a bad habit every day for years, and then we think that we're going to fix that perfectly by January 4th. By contrast, goals reinforces this long-term mentality that we've been talking about. It implies something that we are gradually working towards. One of my favorite quotes that I heard years ago is, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a year, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in 10 years. If we were to back that up and apply it to resolutions, we might say, we overestimate what we can accomplish in the month of January, but we underestimate what we can gradually accomplish over the course of a year. 
So this year, rather than a resolution to achieve or fail by January 4th, why not set a goal to gradually work towards over the course of the year? Why not make one of those goals to pursue intentionally one of these practices that we've been studying this fall? Which one of those stood out to you? Ask the Holy Spirit to do an incredible work in your life. Then make a goal, make a plan, divide that goal up into smaller steps. What's something you can realistically accomplish this week towards that greater goal or this month? Then do the next step the following month. If you do that for 12 months, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. That's another reason I like the term resolution rather than goal. If we don't achieve our resolution perfectly, we feel like we've completely failed. But a goal is something that we work towards. Every step of the way towards that goal is progress. Even if we don't make it all the way there, however far we've gone is still significant progress and that's worth being celebrated. So with that in mind, here's an easy way to come up with an effective goal. There are a lot of different techniques for this. You can find them online. You can read lots of books. Samir referenced Atomic Habits a couple weeks ago. So this is just one. I'm just going to throw it out there. This has been really helpful to me in my life. Maybe this will be helpful for you. When you're coming up with a goal, think about this acronym, SMART goals. Have you heard of this? Make goals that are these things. First, specific Make it very clear what you're trying to accomplish. Secondly, measurable. What is the end goal? How will you know when you've achieved your goal? Next, attainable. Again, set small, realistic goals. If you make it too hard, you're gonna give up. You're just gonna quit. You'll stop trying. Set small, reachable goals, then move on to the next goal. Next goal, next step, next step. Next, relevant. In other words, is this worth your time? Is this actually a goal that's worth pursuing in the first place? And lastly, time bound. As you're writing out your goals, give yourself some sort of a time frame, a month, a year. If you leave it open-ended, you'll put it off or forget about it. So again, that's just one way to look at goals. That's been helpful for me if that's uh, helpful for you. Keep in mind, our objective is not simply behavior change. It's change of our heart. It's a change in character. So these practices that we've studied and actively working towards them help us grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus and they help us to become transformed into his image. Prayer, Sabbath rest, reflecting on scripture, stewardship of our time, our resources, our priorities, developing a spiritual gift that God has given you. As we close this series, will you commit to actively, intentionally working on one of those? Will you commit to sharing that goal with someone else so they can encourage you and hold you accountable? Will you commit to giving yourself grace when you mess up? Will you commit to give others grace when they mess up? God pursues long-term growth. So should we. Just like planting a crop takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of work, but if we are planting the right seed and harvesting it, an abundant harvest, an abundant crop waits for us. Just like the stock market, we're gonna have ups and downs. 
But God's desire and our desire is for an overall upward trajectory. We're never going to be perfect, but we're moving in the right direction. It's a lifetime of spiritual growth. God's harvest of greater depth and restoration in our lives is worth the work and it's worth the wait. We're all on a journey. We are all on a spiritual journey. Many of us have been on that journey for a very long time. And we've grown so much. And we have so much growing left to do. It's a journey that is challenging. It's a journey that is fulfilling. It's a journey that's painful. It's a journey that's worth it. What is the harvest that your life is working towards? If you've placed your faith in Jesus, your salvation is secure. That's not going to change. But with what time we have left here on earth, we have an opportunity to make an impact for good and for God. When we fail, we don't give up. We keep going. We persevere, but we give grace to ourselves and to others because God has already given incredible grace to us. And it's that grace that we celebrate and remember every week in communion. We all know naturally that there's something broken with this world. There's something broken in our hearts. The Bible tells us that brokenness comes from all of humanity rebelling against God's will. But God desires restoration and reconciliation. So he chose to come to earth in the person of Jesus. He lived a perfect life and then he died on the cross as a sacrifice for each of us. He paid the penalty that we could not pay ourselves but that we deserved. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he proved that he really did have power over sin and death. Those things were nothing compared to him. He really was God in the flesh. And now if we will choose to believe, God offers grace, eternal life, restoration, forgiveness. Many of us have chosen to trust and believe in Jesus. Now we're called to follow. We're playing the long game of spiritual growth which the Holy Spirit helps us to do. So let's remember that as we celebrate communion together today. Others of us are exploring faith. That's a great place to be. We have questions. We're learning about who Jesus is and what we think about all this stuff. If that's you, we would love to talk to you more about what being an apprentice of Jesus looks like. We don't want to tell you what to believe. We just want to walk alongside you, help you think this thing through, and come to your own decision. So find me or Samir afterwards. Find Jonathan. There'll also be people over to your left who would love to listen to your story, answer any questions that you might have, and pray for you. So let me pray for us, and then we will celebrate communion together. Dear Lord, we truly desire greater depth and greater restoration. Father, we ask that your spirit would do an incredible work in us. Help us to have discipline and grace. Help us to have truth and love. Most of all, Father, help us to grow closer in our relationship with you. Lord, we want to grow in all of these practices that we've studied, but we only want that because we desire greater intimacy with you. May you be glorified by our lives. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. 
If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.